0: Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate, Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to
1: Bar Fights. It's been a couple weeks. Um, I hope you're having an amazing summer and... Today's episode is one of those episodes that is just a wow. Um, I'm really, really honored to have our guest here today and for you guys to hear. From him, I never in a million years thought I could have somebody so distinguished and so incredible, and such a change maker on my show. So it's a real honor. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this guest, but I'm going to um, I'm not going to do him justice. I'm going to let him tell us in his own words. Our guest today is named Nat Glover. He was born in 1943 in segregated Jacksonville, Florida, raised under impoverished circumstances and, against all odds, joined the Jacksonville Police Department in 1966 and became the first African-American detective supervisor and then went on to become the Sheriff of Jacksonville, which is the, he was the first elected black sheriff in the state of Florida since the late 1880s, which just blows my mind. He's also an author of a book called Striving for Justice, a black sheriff in the deep South. And you guys know on this show, we are all about striving for justice, being those trailblazers you know, speaking up and standing out when we need to, um, in order to effect change. So Mr. Glover, what an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us on Bar Fights.
2: And thank you, Sarah. I'm honored to be here.
1: Ah oh, well, so fill us in I gave sort of the 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 highlights. It must be like a little surreal when you hear somebody like giving the highlights of your life story. But if you wouldn't mind, um, bringing bringing you know a little more detail to your trajectory, being born um, in the deep south, and how you arrived at, at where you eventually arrived.
2: Well, uh, uh, thank you for this opportunity uh first, let me say that um I, I i did um some things that people could call historic mm-hmm. and uh and i certainly uh, uh appreciate that but um had a lot of help in and, and one of the things that i know i talk when i talk about my journey i talk about it as a, a divine journey you've already outlined the fact that uh i grew up um in a situation where um, we didn't have the the best of everything. Uh, I was grew up in a, a shotgun house with um, a brother and two sisters. For the most part, ended up with two more sisters, but they came later. And um, there were times when um, we had some challenges as as it relates to paying the rent and 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 that kind of thing. Just to give you somewhat of a s- snapshot of the um, circumstances. But um, um, I was fortunate to have some things happen to me that I cannot describe in any way other than uh, divine. And um I got an opportunity to um, um, go to school, of course, uh, public schools, and I was blessed with uh, two parents who Made the commitment that we will get an education, although there were a time when I wanted to drop out of school and my mother made it clear if I was going to stay in the house, uh, in that house, that I was going to school. And to this day, I think that saved my life or it certainly kept me out of jail, at least. So, um, fortunate um, there. Um, I um, I tell you, I had some traumatic e- events that happened to me that kind of shaped uh, my life. You talked about a little bit about my path as it relates to me becoming a historic sheriff in Jacksonville, Florida. But I have to also tell you that um, when I was um, 17 years old, I was uh, working uh, at a cafeteria in downtown Jacksonville. And uh, I had a situation where um, I walked into a situation where there were sit-in demonstrations occurring in downtown Jacksonville area where we had uh, youthful uh, Black uh, students conducting city in demonstration at some of the department store lunch counters. Lunch counters were for white only, so these uh, uh, sit-in demonstrators who, from the NAACP would come in on uh, weekends and sit at the counter and pretty much shut the counters down because they wouldn't serve them. And But this particular week, uh, we had some Ku Klux Klansmen and white supremacists come to Jacksonville to put a stop to that. And they did that, as a matter of fact. They came in and they were all issued axe handles. I mean, I'm talking brand new axe handles to confront the sitting demonstrators with. And now I'm working at the Morrison Cafeteria and I don't know all of this is going on outside so I'm on the inside. So Um, When the sit-in demonstrations started, the um, um, white supremacists and Ku Klux Klansmen confronted those individuals and ran them out of town with those axe handles and uh, so pretty much shut down downtown Jacksonville Um, and so the uh, supervisor came in where we were all working inside of Morrison cafeteria. A lot of, a lot of us were black, of course, and told us to get out of town because there was a disturbance in downtown Jacksonville and we needed to get out of there for our safety reason. Well, um, and all of the employees left, but I stayed a little longer because I had the last chore that had to be taken care of, and that was mop the floor. Well, when I came out of Morrison, uh, an hour after everybody else had left, I was quickly surrounded by these um, white supremacists and Klansmen. And, of course, they called me a couple of choice names and asked me what was I doing down there and start hitting me with the axe handles. Now, um, I was terrified, and, uh, but none of them actually hit me hard enough to knock me down or, uh, or knock me out or anything. I was fortunate there. But I ran to a police officer for help. He told me, you better get out of town before they kill you. And, and so I ran home. And the reason I took the time to tell you that, um, Sarah, because I think that set the tone for my life. I ran home and I ran home and I got home and just cried Mm -hmm. and I cried the rest of the day almost. And I wasn't crying because I was hurt. Although I could have died that day, Mm -hmm. I was crying because I ran and in my neighborhood, you didn't run away from a fight if you ran away from a fight, people will see you as a coward and you would have to live with that in my neighborhood. So I was ashamed and that was the reason I was crying. But after I composed myself, I said to myself that I will never run away from another fight. Mm. And I said, if it if it cost me my life, I will never run. And that pledge to myself actually shaped my life and my career. So that was how I ended up. Uh, I always wanted to be a detective. So I ended up as a police officer and then Um, um, had a stellar career because I was able to do some things that actually made me stand out to the point where you mentioned that I was the first um, um, detective uh, supervisor. I was the first African-American supervisor in the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office to be assigned white subordinates and 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 then later on I was distinguished to become police officer of the year by four different organizations. So um, that kind of set the tone for me to rise up through the ranks and eventually become um, sheriff of, of Duval County. Jacksonville, Florida, and I was the first African-American sheriff elected in Jacksonville, Duval County, but I was also the first African-American sheriff elected in the state of Florida since 1888. So um, it was a historical moment, but I think that traumatic moment set the tone for where where I sit today here talking to such a distinguished um, commentator here. And and, um, so uh, that misfortune uh, turned out to be a very, very life-changing moment for me. And incidentally, Sarah, during the time I was working at Morrison cafeteria, I got arrested and I got arrested by uh, two detectives who stopped me one night. And after I got off work and I had two napkins in my pocket, I'm talking two napkins that you wrap the silver up in when you go to a restaurant and they arrested me for stealing those two napkins. And, and um, that, that moment was uh, dramatic for me too, because it, if you get arrested and you have an arrest record, you cannot become a police officer. So I got some help from some people in Jacksonville to help me get hired as a police officer and eventually uh, be, uh, become a historic sheriff in, in the state of Florida.
1: Wow. I'm just in complete awe. And I'm so deeply touched by that story. And thank you so much for sharing that. And what really stuck, I mean, so much stuck out, but what really stuck out is, you know, you saying trauma, setting the tone and misfortune turning into what then became some blessings or some opportunities um, in your life. Do you think, do you think, you know, cause there are a lot of people that would have been in your same shoes that would have run home and wouldn't have taken what happened or that misfortune and turned it into something positive or something, you know, where, where you were going to do something with it, right? Do you think that that was just in you um, to to have that result? Do you think that that's something people can can learn? Is it you know what sets apart the the person who experiences deeply troubling adversity and takes it and does something positive with their lives, or someone who does the opposite?
2: Well, let me, it, it depends on your perspective and how you see it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, look, <clears throat> life is an up and down proposition. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some ups, you're going to have some downs, you're going to have some successes and you're going to have some failures. But when I look at life, I look at life as a, a journey. And and on that journey, you will have some challenges but I always thought that if if you trying to do the right thing for the right reason, there will be solutions to those challenges that you have that you may not have even thought or known those solutions were there until you had the challenge. So um, you can take your the times that you are traumatized or you uh, the times that you had a failure and you can wallow in them and give up or you can say this is something that happened to me to get me ready for the next challenge and 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 then uh move forward with it and i'm going to tell you uh i have found the challenge quite often gives you sometime an extra level of credibility. And it also uh, helped facilitate the capturing of an audience of the people who will listen to you.
1: That's such a beautiful answer. And it's, it's so universal, I think, to anything anybody's dealing with in life, right? We, we obviously come from different, different places, different backgrounds. Um, a lot of differences, but I think that that's a common sort of universal theme that can be applicable to any kind of struggle in life, right? Um, so I I can imagine, you know, you enter the workforce as, as a police officer and then a detective, and there are still lots of barriers that you need to, to sort of break and overcome in order to arrive at the ultimate sort of level of, of sheriff. Um, And I know you've talked about before, you know, leadership and being a leader, being a a born leader versus a learned leader. Um, Can you talk about, you know, some of the other barriers you faced once you entered that workforce and, and what do you think it, it was that, in you as a leader that allowed you to achieve such incredible success?
2: Well one one of the things that I am convinced um helped me tremendously. I was told early by a number of people that whatever you do, whatever you indulge in, you can believe someone is always watching. And they and and they are listening to you and And you have an opportunity to set yourself as a creditable person where when you speak, people will lean forward and Mm want to hear what you got to say, or you're going to be that person when you open your mouth, people kind of just lean back and say, let them say what they got to say and get this over with and we can move on. I had tremendous challenges in the sheriff's office uh, because. Um, I was working with peers and people who were, um, of course, my supervisors and leaders who actually wanted to see uh, me fail. Now, mm-hmm. what, and, and when I say me, like I've, I was someone special, I had the opportunity to, to come into the sheriff's office, but I, when I came in, I had a college degree. I had uh, I had gone to college. I uh, uh, had the opportunity to go to college uh, on a football scholarship. So um, the requirements to become a police officer at that time was you had to have a GED or high school education. So I, I I went in with a college degree. So there were some people trying to certainly make certain I failed, mm-hmm. and 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 now what I had to make my mind up about Sarah was that I had to make certain that I didn't react in a way that in the long run, it would turn out to be a negative to to people who see me. And in the short run, it might have, yes, given me an opportunity to just, uh thump my chest and say, I certainly told them off. Or, I certainly took care of that. That's a short-lived moment of gratification that could very well have long-range implications. Mm-hmm. And those long-range implications could be negative implications. So you have to be careful. Each time I got promoted in the sheriff's office, the enemy, I call, are the people who tried to kind of get me off course. Would go to the records division and get my mugshot and paste it on the wall in the main building of the police memorial building and 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 put a note under it. So now we have promoted a criminal to chief, oh my and then God. later on deputy director, and later on director, and 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 see. I, they were waiting for me to overreact to those things and i and i I didn't uh I let the people handle it who was assigned to handle things like that, so the people that that I think took care of it pro- appropriately for the most part and and I moved on and and so that's how I eventually got to a position where I was a legitimate sheriff candidate.
1: did you ever? Once you got to that position, ever say to yourself, well, now, I mean, I'm going to make your life miserable because you, try, you tried to shut me down time and time again, or did you just always keep your head held high?
2: That's a, that's a great question, Cheryl. One of my rules in life is that I don't do reprisal. Mm-hmm. I, I never... Uh, go go to the level of the person to try to get them back for something they did to me. And and, in other words, there were many times in the sheriff's department when my peer group, people who wish me well, would be upset with me because I would be trying to help the people who they say were stabbing me in the back. Mm -hmm. But I kept in mind what I talked to you earlier about. I was told a long time ago that people are watching. They are taking notes on how you react to situations. So do you want to be the kind of individual that people will say he's a or she is a creditable person or they are an emotional person? who will wallow when they are challenged by people who are wallowing trying to give them a hard time so no i was always uh, i'm going to i'm going to stay above the fray and, and 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 that's the way you win people respect that's the way you you win people trust
1: you are so full of wisdom. I could talk to you for hours. Um, this is so good. So what made you decide to put this all in, in writing? These stories are, are so good. Um, there's so much wisdom and gold. What made you put pen to paper and, and put this out for all of us to, to get to read?
2: Well, uh, and that too is is a question and one that I'm glad to ask because one of the things uh, people had been telling me for years, you need to write a book, Mm -hmm. write about your life. You need to share your experiences. And, And I was always saying, Well, look, I'm not that much different from other people, had a few challenges and was able to overcome them. So I don't think all of that is worthy to be, you know, uh, up trying to do chest lumping. So uh, I didn't want to do it until I got to this stage in life and I had a group of people come to me. And I'm talking these are people whom I trust and who had tremendous credibility with me. And they said to me, look, you talk and we'll get somebody to do the writing. And and then uh, let's see where it goes. And I'm telling you, Sarah, as I sit here and talk to you, I am so glad that I did that. Because mm-hmm. once I began to put pen to paper, I found that, this is something that someone else need to hear. Someone else need to read, because we it talks about preparing. It talks about perseverance. It talked about planning. It talked about prayer, and and, and all of those things. They mean a lot to me. So um, I wanted to um, share that, and and one of the one of the things that I, I always wanted to uh, have when I was a a young person, I wanted to have a person I can go to and ask some of the hard questions I had in mind. And I I only had um, my my parents, but uh, uh, I wanted to either be that for somebody else or be able to send somebody to somebody that they can trust. And, and, And I talk a little bit about that in 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 the book, because I say, look, if you're going to select somebody that you're going to use as a person, I call them your go-to person, they should have certain characteristics. They should ha- they should be creditable. They should have some competence. They should be smart people. They should have uh, a, a person who will tell you the truth. Um, and so they sh- and they should be a person who's confidential and courageous enough to tell you what you need to know. And and those are a few of the requirements. And incidentally, they should have some connections to you. It'd be a good thing if they were, let's say, a, a, a friend of yours, or a colleague, or even your significant other. And 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 find you somebody with some common sense. And those are some characteristics. But find you somebody that you can be able to ask, what do you think about this? Because too often, Sarah, we look at a situation and we think we see it because we're looking right at it until we ask somebody else what you think about it. And they give you a whole different perspective. Well, If you're going to be a person who's sharing those kinds of perspectives to an audience, you need to at least know what maybe some others see. So, and that gives you the kind of credibility for people to listen to you. So that's important. Oh,
1: that's so awesome. And I want everybody listening to know you can order this book. I'm so excited for it. You can order this book on Amazon. You have a great website called strivingforjusticebook.com. The book comes out at the end of August. Um, I've pre-ordered my copy and, You are going to do some book speaking and signing events around Florida, it looks like. So any of our listeners down um, in Florida, definitely check out strivingforjusticebook.com. I have a feeling it's going to be one of those books where I'm highlighting and underlining and just gleaning for for gold, which I'm sure that it is absolutely full of. Um, You're an incredible incredible human being. And I am truly humbled that you took this time to spend with me and my audience, Um, a man of grace and of dignity. It's been really an honor to get to meet you, Nat.
2: And thank you. I feel honored and privileged to have you invite me And, and so glad. And incidentally, the book, Striving for Justice, it, uh, I talked about that because I, I think that uh, sometime our criminal justice system failed to be balanced in uh, the, the people that get arrested, prosecuted, and mm-hmm. eventually sentenced to the correction system. So it, that's, that's uh, something that uh, will be interesting reading. So thank you for that.
1: Yes, it's an absolute honor. And you guys get this book pre-order on Amazon, Striving for Justice, Nat Glover. It's been an honor. You guys, we'll see you next week here on Bar Fights.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.